welcome back to another episode of the Bridging Impact Podcast, the podcast that is passing wisdom from generation to generation to impact and transform the lives of athletes into young leaders. So in our conversation today, we interviewed James McLean. James is the founder of Generation Youth and Generation Ziegler, and James, quite frankly, is literally Bridging Impact. So the mission of Generation Ziegler is to equip young leaders like, like myself who work with young leaders, youth, to go out and make a difference in the world. And in our conversation today, we talked so much about, you know, different team building activities, um, self-image and the importance of that and the ripple effect and impact that, you know, equipping one leader who equips another leader, who equips another leader can really do for our society and the world. So without further ado, let's dive in. Hello and welcome to the Bridging Impact Podcast, James. I'm really excited to have our conversation today because both of our missions are very aligned in impacting the next generation of youth through leadership. So welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the invitation and and I, and I also appreciate you being a, a, a guest on our show as well. So it's, it's nice to be able to meet people that you have such synergy with that, that you can enjoy conversations. Absolutely. Yeah, no, the synergy and being able to cross pollinate and, and help support both of our missions. It's, you know, it's shout out to Tammy again for connecting <laughs> us and um, really just, you know, making that impact. So, you know, right away, the first question we ask all of our guests is what is your definition of impactful leadership? I like to go back to John Maxwell's definition where he says leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And if you look at that being a, a broader definition of leadership, you can see that leadership can be negative or positive. So impactful leadership is, I believe, when you're influencing people in a, in a very positive and an effective way, uh, that you're using your skills, your talents, your position, all those things that, that you've been blessed with, that you are using those to positively impact the people that, that you lead or the people that you come in contact with. Yeah, no, 100%. I would definitely share similar philosophies around that. And it really is all about using those leadership, you know, traits and skills and, and knowing that leadership isn't always an, an authority position and you can have mm-hmm. a positive impact no matter what your role is on a team. And I'd love for you to share more about your story of how you came to that definition and, and share more with the audience around what is Generation Ziegler and what's the mission? Well, I'll start uh, with explaining a little bit about what Generation Ziegler is and what our ma- our, our long-range goal is, what our plan is. I became a part of uh, the Z- Ziegler Corporation, which is based on Mr. Zig Ziegler, the late Mr. Zig Ziegler's philosophy and teaching. When Mr. Ziegler was alive, he spoke to over 250 million people in person, uh, not through That's wild. virtual media. This was someone having to get in there vehicle, drive somewhere, buy a ticket and go in and listen to him speak. So it was something, uh, you know, quite amazing, a quarter of a billion people during his lifetime. But he developed some some very key philosophies on people's success, how they can be successful in life, how they can uh, thrive. He believed that everybody was born to win, but they needed to understand how to take those kind of characteristics uh, and, and, and accomplish those. So I became a part of his organization in 2013. Um, I did it with the entire purpose to take his message, repackage it, and present it to youth. Take a timeless message, 
repackage it into a timely um, production to be able to give it to people in, in a way that they can young people can digest it and it's applicable to their lives. And so we created Generation Ziggler. We thought that was kind of a cute name, Generation Ziggler, because it dealt with Gen Z, you know, which was the which was the current youth generation that we were dealing with at the time. And so we really focused on taking that message, uh, teaching it to a new generation of young people, and then equipping them with skills, Justin, so that they could go out and be the difference makers. They could make impactful leadership in their communities and in their circle of influence. As a result, we've got a lot of folks who have come through our programs that we've certified to teach content that we created based on Mr. Ziegler's philosophies. Uh, that have gone on to be public speakers, uh, ministers, coaches, teachers, college professors. Some attorneys are tossed in there as well. A lot of people doing a lot of different things. A lot of them were doing major things while they were in uh, college. They were they were leaders of, of student organizations, some on a local level, state level, a few on a national basis. And we've had opportunities to train almost 200 young people before COVID came in and kind of uh, corrected some things on us. So, you know, we, we, we changed quite a bit about what was going on there. No, that's beautiful. I, and I love the mission and my, um, I'm really curious, you know, what are some of these principles and common threads of, you know, equipping these leaders like that are a part of, you know, Generation Ziggler. You talked about um, everyone is born to win and repackaging mm -hmm. that for youth. But I'm curious, you know, as, as someone who is working with youth quite a bit, I'm always looking for different ideas on how to implement with youth and how to equip them with, you know, different tools in their belt. Well, Mr. Ziegler in the 60s developed his steps to success. And there were six steps that he felt like if you could master the concepts around those, you could thrive in life. And those six steps that he identified were self-image, mm building positive relationships, goal-setting achievement, attitude, work ethic, and, oh my gosh, I forgot the last one. Grit, it's not, it's not grit, but it's something close to grit. I can't remember the last terminology you made. But here's the great thing. We wanted to make sure that what we were creating, the curriculum we were creating, was actually worth something. So we started interviewing youth, and we just asked them one question. Hey, what's the biggest problem facing your generation? And after we had twenty five, about 2,500 uh, interviews, some of them group interviews, some of them on the phone, some of them virtual, some of them in personal, just a variety of different ways, we recorded their answers, and we came up with three major categories. And those three categories, we didn't push these answers into these categories. This is what they were. Number one uh, category that, that you said they struggle with self-image. The number two category they say they struggle with building positive relationships. And the third one is having purpose in life and the ability to see that purpose through, through goal setting. So that is what you said. That's what Mr. Ziegler said over 50 years ago, almost 60 years ago. And so those two things meshed really, really well. We were able to take his content and build that and create that. So that's, that's the issues that we deal with, self-image, relationships, and goals. That's what we go forward on. That's what we equip young people to do. That's what we equip adults who want to be life coaches for youth to do. Um, that, that is our entire purpose is focusing on those three issues and, and bringing it to youth. 
I'd love to dive into the first one because I know uh, the self-image because I know that's mm-hmm. something that we've talked about quite a bit here in the last few weeks um, when we've been fortunate enough to you know have these conversations and uh, obviously a big rise in social media since the pandemic has really affected it. You know, I'm, I, I work with the, the athletes I know they judge themselves based on the players that they see on Instagram, whether it be professional players. And, and even like last night I was watching with some of my buddies, like uh, Sierra Canyon is, is a high school here in Los Angeles and this has LeBron James and a lot of famous uh, mm-hmm. kids go there and just the unbelievable attention that they get. They have millions of followers on social media and they're 15 years old and just how that really like affects uh, how we see ourselves based on, you know, social media. So I'm, I, I know a lot of your programming helps, you know, youth with that. I'm curious, you know, what is your like first pieces of advice for life coaches and, you know, sports coaches that work with youth and are trying to, you know, affect a positive image for themselves? Well, one of the, the first steps that we want to teach youth when we're working with them, and so we, the people that we work with, we equip them, we say, go here first, is helping young people identify what the issues are with self-image. Why is it even important to worry about this? We don't just start giving them things to say, hey, you need to do this, this, and this to improve your self-image if they don't even think it's worth doing it. So we first got to kind of, you know, assess to them, say, hey, this is what this means. Is that important to you? And do you see some the, some bad aspects of it? And so once they get to doing that, they all st- you start to reflect on it. They start to talk about it. They they start to realize how negative things have affected their perception of who they are. And that's that's a really important first step is is helping them to understand that. Yeah, the getting behind the why. I think that is a big. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes it's it's simple, right? We don't need to overcomplicate it and, uh, you know, make it more complicated than it needs to be, right? And so, Well, you know, it's the same way with coaching athletes, uh, athletic things. There's so many times, and you've seen this too, coaches come in and they teach them the what. Hey, I want you, this is what I want you to do. And they never explain how it works and the why. So I coached baseball for a number of years, and it's very easy to teach skills. But the skills are not going to translate if they don't know why they have to do it that way. Why am I telling you to do it this way? Why am I telling you to be in this position, you know, stand this way, do that? Why is that important? And how does it fit to the total goal of making you a better player and us a better team? And it's the same concept when you're teaching life skills like self-image relationships and goals. Let's first identify why is this even important and why is it going to do? And then we can give them some tips about how to, um, successfully, you know, navigate this. This is very complicated. Everybody deals with self-image. I mean, good gracious, every yeah. we can look in the Bible and see stories from thousands of years ago where the the characters in the Old Testament struggled with self-image. Television shows from 40, 50, 60 years ago, even the first sitcom, family sitcoms, are, are the the topics that, that the children in there, the Leave It to Beaver. You remember Leave It to Beaver, Alda? It's one of the oldest shows. If you look at that, you'll see those kids that are in there, the writers wrote that they were struggling with self-image. It is not new. It just manifests itself in different ways now. Right, yeah. There are different mediums now that we judge mm-hmm. ourselves on. And I'm really curious because I think our self-images are you know, kind of really connected and interconnected to the second uh, you know, 
principle that you all are teaching is about developing positive relationships because something that I've been, you know, kind of talking about the last few years is that relationship with self kind of comes first and really affects the relationships you have with others. So I'm curious, you know, what is, you know, kind of your philosophy on connecting, yeah, you know, the self image with helping de- uh, youth develop positive relationships with their peers? Well, I, I think there's so much synergy and they're so intertwined that you cannot really develop one effectively without working on the other one. Yeah. Uh, we, we cannot help a young person who's struggling with self-image if the relationships they have around them are very negative, that are pouring into them badly. Or if they, you know, someone who has good relationship skills and really has positive friends can can work through some of the problems that they deal with with self-image. And someone who has a very positive self-image of themselves and feels good about who they are and, and understands their identity very well will most likely have good positive relationship skills. So they're so intertwined, you really can't work with one without the other. I mean, what was it the, uh, the teacher Jim Rome said? You are the sum of the five people that you hang around with. Right. So if you're hanging around with five turkeys, you're going to be a turkey. And if right. you're hanging around with five eagles, most likely you're going to be an eagle. You may not be the big soaring eagle like some of these, but you're still going to be in that eagle category. Um, and if you hang around with five turkeys, I don't care if you're the best turkey there. You're still a turkey. So, right. you know, we, we got it. They're, they're so intertwined. And you've seen this, Coach. You've, you've seen, and you probably have heard this before. Young people say, well, who I hang out with does not really affect you know, me, you know, I can hang out with who I want. That's so, so naive. It does. Mm -hmm. It hangs out exactly with them. Yeah, no, as I hear you talking, I feel like it affects young people more than even adults Mm -hmm. because young people are still forming their identities. I'm thinking of a specific player that that's on my team who he's a great, great guy on his own. But when he gets with some of his other buddies who are a little older than him, you know, when you are a first year athlete, you know, in high school, you are really, you, you want to be as cool as possible, mm-hmm. right? And you're really trying to fit in and, you know, again, just like feel like you belong. Because I feel like that's one of the other things that I, I recognize is a lot of, you know, coaches nowadays are like this generation, this, this generation, that. It's like, well, I, I wouldn't quite label it as, you know, putting them off, writing them off as they're, they're soft or, you know, they, they care about certain things. It's like when we were kids, we just like wanted to belong. And we, so we did different, you know, different things. Right. And we tried to fit in in different ways. And so with social media, right, they want to be so cool, so bad, so they can get so much likes. Um, it's just, it's challenging to be a youth right now. Mm-hmm. Well, my son got to high school he, as a ninth grader. He was, he uh, was able to play on the varsity team, on his baseball team. And I noticed immediately that the head coach of that team, you know, Jacob came in, my son's name is Jacob, he came into the group and he was young. He didn't know these guys. They were all juniors and seniors. I think there might have been one sophomore, but most of them were juniors and seniors, you know, on a team of 16. So he didn't know these folks. He was the only freshman there on this team. You know, he there was, there was just a lot of, insecurity that he was going to have and I immediately saw that the coach identified some key players that were seniors and one junior to not necessarily mentor him that was not what they used it was just to kind of keep them under your their wing that make sure he didn't get that he didn't hang out with the 
the egomaniacs of the team or the kids who, you know, were were not give everything in practice, that he was going with the guys. And so it kind of formed his philosophy of, of how to play on that team because of who he was hanging around. And when he was struggling, which he would have struggled, you know, being 14, facing 17 and 18-year-olds, when he struggled at bat some, those guys were able to build him up and, and encourage him. And if he made an error in the field, they were like, you know, man, you're, you're the only ninth grader in this whole league. You're, you're, you're so much ahead of everybody. You know, they were there to support him. Right. And so that helped him with his image. If it had been the other guys, they might have said, you don't blurb to be on this team. You should be on the JV. Or, you know, you're, you're worthless on this. We, we'd be better off not having you as a You know, that kind of concept. Right. Everything is so intertwined on that. And, and coaches, athletic coaches, can have such a significant impact on being able to guide them um, to, to form those positive relationships on those teams as teammates. And I think you bring up a really important point for athletic coaches is to not not be the only person that's really trying to help, you know, certain players feel comfortable mm-hmm. in, a, in a system because I feel like the best teams are player-led, right? So are you having those one-on-one conversations with your leaders on that team who can help, you know, that player like your son who's you know newer onto the team feel comfortable right you're not going to yeah because one day you know Jacob was going to be the leader of that team you know he was he was going to be the part of the senior and if he'd have been plugged in in the wrong part to begin with and then started developing that negative mindset uh that anti-growth mindset and and had started looking at himself in a poor way by the time he was in leadership position on that team he was going to be not useful at all for the coach to be able to mentor future folks. So the coach was very wise in doing that and picking the ones that could do that. I, I really appreciated what he did. Yeah, it sounds like the coach was really intentional about that. And I'm mm-hmm. kind of thinking, you know, that's what bridging Ooh, impact is all about, right? It's about connecting, you know, the, the leaders and the wisdom and continuing to hand that off, right? And that doesn't just have to be from coach to player. It can be player to player. And that's how to build and establish a positive culture where people – and have positive relationships and thrive, right? Versus, you know, I've, you know, been a part and I've seen teams, you know, just kind of bicker and go at each other instead mm-hmm. of, you know, building and forming those positive relationships. And then, you know, like you were talking about before, right? If you're, you know, as an athletic team, if you're constantly bickering, you become, I, for, you know, like, like you said, like turkeys together instead of yep. eagles and helping each other up, you're bringing each other down. Yeah. And, that, you know, you could say, hey, I'm the, I'm, I'm, I'm good as an individual, but we're going to be so much better as a team. And we can do this together if we're working together in those types of positive relationships. And long term, the effect that it's going to have on a young person uh, is going to be far, is going to far exceed just the, just the athletic arena. I mean, because a positive self-image is going to help them with family relationships in the future, career relationships in the future, uh, school academics, everything is going to be affected by that. So it's such an important thing to be, to have to worry with. It is really important. I'm curious, do you have any like exercises or activities that you could share with that, you know, you run with some of your youth that help them explore some of the self-image? Well, so, uh, we do have a, a list of, of different types of things that youth can do to, um, uh, help work on their self-image. But two things that I would mention right now that I think they could do immediately is number one is is to make 
a list of your assets or make a list of what you feel like you're good at. Everything that you're positive in. If we're into athletes, it could be I'm a good teammate. Uh, I can dribble well. I can shoot the ball well. I listen to the coach. All the different things. You could Everything that you're good at. I, you know, I'm good at math. Um, and some kids are going to be listening to this and they're immediately going to think, Justin, I'm not good at anything. Coaches, y'all are crazy. I'm not good at anything. But if you're very intentional in going through this, you're going to come up with a list. No matter how right. small of an item it is, put it on that list. And then once you have that list and you're able to look at your list, you're able to see a list that you have, you're beginning to feel a little bit better about yourself. Hey, I'm not quite the loser that I think I am. You know, because look, look at all these things that I have here. That may be an exercise that an adult needs to be with them on, or, or at least an older person needs to be on to help guide them through it, to be able to say, have you thought about this? Are you good at that? Are you to help prod them along. So that, that's that's one thing. The other thing that I would recommend, and this again comes up with a with a list, is to make a victory list. What are all the things that you have done? And you can put a time limit on it. Hey, in the last two years, three years, whatever. What are things have you done that have that have gone well for you? Well, I made the team. I made this shot. I, I developed good friendships here. I made an A in this class. I pulled up this grade from a D to a C. Any type of victory, write as many things down. The how, Why that is so important, what's going to happen at that time where they do fail and all those negative things are entering their mind? Now they have two lists to help keep them focused. One list is to say, I'm not as bad as I think I am. And two, they'll realize this one setback is not the end. Look at all these other things I've done well. Mr. Ziegler said that failure is an event. It's not a person. And having these two lists can help put that perspective for young people so they realize, I failed today, but it's an event. This is the person I am. I'm looking at it on the things that I've written. It's not that one event. I've seen a lot of boys when I've coached baseball the years that, that, you know, missed a fly ball during a crucial game. My son missed a fly ball, eighth grade. I remember this extremely well. Uh, he missed a fly ball. He was playing uh, left field, missed a fly ball that I thought was pretty easy to catch. And he and he just misplayed it, misjudged it. I don't know what happened. He misjudged it. And it caused one of their guys to score. And we got behind by two. We were behind by one. We got behind by two. He came into the dugout. And immediately the coach of the middle school team went out there and said, hey, you've got this. I believe in you. He was already reinforcing, know what you can do. He was at the bat, got up. I don't know if it was anger. I don't know if it was whatever it was. He attacked that ball like I'd never seen him before. Triple and then scored on the next play and was able to get the whole ball around. We ended up winning the game because of that momentum. And I think a lot of it is because he had that that tank that 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 resources already there where he had gone through the activities of hey what is what are the things that I do well and what are the things that I have already had as a victory that one mistake didn't set him back thousand percent yeah and I and for the coaches that are listening I think there's a lot of wisdom in that story because I've I've been around quite a bit of coaches recently and I've been watching you know like the frustration that a coach can bring and the athlete not rising to the occasion again, because there's a huge difference, right? If you miss a fly ball between a co- you getting just chewed out, right? Why didn't you catch that fly ball? You should have got a better jump on that. 
you know, you're letting your team down, right? They then, you know, your son would go to a, go to bat deflated, right? And not having confidence and probably, you know, either strike out, roll over, pop out, you know, just because he didn't have that. But because he had a coach that believed in him and picked him up, all right, next play, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're human. We're, we're going to make mistakes. We're not robots. And um, I really like the idea of making like lists of, of your assets of what you're good at and also mm-hmm. a victory list because I had – uh, the other day I asked in, in my practice is the last practice before our break, you know, I just asked them like, what are you proud of? And I had one of our best players say, I'm not proud of anything. Right. And so then I had, you know, I had other people in our circle share like, okay, what are you proud of him for? And, you know, we were able Ooh. to kind of go around a little bit. Um, it's, it wasn't the, it's not the most perfect with young teenage boys, you know, so I'm just breaking it down, but just to get those ideas and, my my hope is that he's like you know maybe goes home and thinks oh i'm actually maybe a little proud of this you know and it's hard because as coaches sometimes we only focus on what we need to improve on i'm really trying to to help our young athletes see what they're doing well as well because they do have a long way to go right but i do want them to see what they're doing well as well one group you know, activity on those assets one group activity too that that uh, would you, you made me think of is a, a compliment sheet. So one of the activities that we teach is is that you put a sheet of paper on the back of somebody, tape it to their back, and then give everybody a marker or something. Everybody has a sheet of paper on their back, and everybody has to go around and write something positive that they like about the person. So, you know, I mean, uh, you smile a lot or or, you know, and, and you have to give them a little bit of instructions. You cannot have them, especially if it's uh, in, in mixed groups, you know, mix, boys and girls, you can't, you have to give them some instructions. Say, don't write stuff like uh, you have nice shoes or, you know, that kind of stuff. It's yeah. like, oh, you have a nice smile or you make others feel good or uh, you show so much confidence or, you know, you're whatever kind of trait that they have and have everybody the assignment is you have to go and write on everybody's back. You have to do everybody because you don't want somebody to get missed and they only have three and everybody else have nine or ten. That's going right. to defeat the whole purpose of the thing. Yeah. And then after it's done, everybody – and they don't sign it, so they don't know who – they supposedly don't know who wrote what. I mean, they'll be able to tell some of that. I mean, there's some of that going to be given. But then they'll have a sheet of paper that will have a list of everything – that these people have have said that's positive about them, that everything that, that you're a great teammate, you're a great leader, you know, all those types of things. That's another thing that they can put in their asset list and or victory list. You know, now they got here. Here's a list of things that people think I'm great at. Well, this is a victory for me because today they they help me feel good about. It. And just that I, you know, I'm 53 years old, and I still have right over there on my shelf two copies of these things that I had done over 10 years ago that I put in a notebook and I really didn't think about it at the time. And then a few years back, I was cleaning out that section of the office and I found those sheets again. And instead of tossing them, I just sit there and read it. And, you know, even someone at my age, it it really invigorated me and really inspired me. So I've kept them um, as, as a thing to go through. If things don't go well, I can go and look at it. No, that's beautiful. And you're kind of inspiring me to actually go back to when I was in grade school. We had our favorite substitute teacher, Dr. Hudson, um, rest in peace. But he, what he would do is he would tell a, sim- a story about 
there was two people um, in combat and one of, you know, his buddies, you know, passed away in combat and in his boot, he kept with him a basically what was like a compliment sheet from his grade school that every single person in his class wrote kind things about him and he brought it with him everywhere. And I just remember that story sticking with me. And Mm -hmm. every time he would come to our school and he was everyone's favorite uh, substitute teacher, number one, because he showed movies. And and number two, also, I feel like probably was because we did this compliment, uh, you know, where we had to write everyone in, in class, like you're talking about a compliment for everyone. And I think, you know, maybe when you're young, you don't realize you don't make the connection that, oh, I feel good mm-hmm. when I'm being nice to other people and also receiving that. But now, like I'm looking back and we're having this conversation, it really helps you kind of connect number one, obviously with a class, but also with a teacher and, and build that trust and relationship because you recognize some of the other things that are positive, right? Because again, as humans, we are designed to see what's wrong, right? Have negative thoughts and being able to recognize what's positive because of what other people are saying about us is really powerful. I agree with you. And, and you made me think too, is this activity is not just beneficial for the person who is receiving the sheet of paper. It's not just, but it's, it's, you don't just get the benefit from reading the sheet that has been written about you, but you also get the benefit by writing things about folks. Mm-hmm. Because when you're focusing on, on, on trying to find the positive in someone else, it kind of, changes your mindset too and gets you in a positive energy and and so now you're feeling good because you've written all these things i got a team of 15 you've wrote 14 things that are positive and you're feeling really good because you've got a sheet of paper with 14 positive things about you it's a win-win activity very simple right and and yes let's let's be honest some of them are going to goof off some of them are, you're going to have to get a little guidance Always. on it uh I mean, come on, we're talking about developing brains here. They're not going to take every single thing you do with them serious. But I tell you what, it will be a positive experience overall. Yeah, I'm curious, you know, for for me, because I I struggle sometimes with the the freshmen and sophomores. They they don't take a lot serious, just to be (laughs) honest. But I'm curious, you know, how many stories have people come back to you and talked about some of the exercises that you've done that, Maybe at the time they they weren't taking it super serious, but years later they contacted you and were like, "Hey, this really made an impact." Well, on this particular exercise, it wasn't that they contacted later, but one of the guys who came through one of our first uh, certification classes for youth, he was a 23 year old uh, at the time, and he was going out and and speaking uh, to youth groups, FCA groups across uh, Central Oklahoma. And he did this activity with some eighth graders. And he just had the same response that you and I just talked about. They were not taking it seriously. They were goofing around with it, especially when they got their sheets back and they were reading it. They were all kind of goofing off. But what he noticed the next day was that one of them, at the beginning of class, very discreetly unfolded the paper and was reading it again. And then just folded up and put it back in his pocket. Now, did the kid come over and to him and says, oh, Mr. B-Bomb, this has changed my life. Oh, this has really affected me, Brandon. You've changed everything. This activity. He never said anything to him. But Brandon, who, the person who, is, who did the activity, he noticed a change in the person's demeanor, a change in the person's attitude. Never acknowledged that he got it, and he was one of the ones who kind of played it off. It wasn't cool the day before. 
That's just kind of a defense mechanism. I don't want to look like this means something to me. That doesn't mean it doesn't. I don't want this to make it. It's not cool for me to make this activity show impact on me. It probably has. So he folded it up, kept it in his pocket. I don't know how long the kid took it. I don't know how long that little eighth grade boy kept that around with him. But the fact that he was still reading it a day later to me, demonstrates the impact that it could have. Absolutely. He could have totally just threw it in. If it, if it really didn't mean anything to him, he would have put it in the trash. Right. But obviously, you know, like when you're in eighth grade, right, you want to be cool, you know, and it's not cool to, you know, be out and, you know, be be super kind. They like to, you know, kind of rag on each other and bring each yeah. other down. And, you know, they're like, and, and it's I'm trying to work with them on that. But I did notice, you know, a seriousness when we went around and said, what, what are we proud of? And what, what do we want to work on in the new year? I, there, there have not been that serious about something in a long time. So that, that tells me that they are, it, it's connecting with them, right? Like a lot of, I've, I've talked about some of these things here and there, there, a lot of times I'll ask, what do we do well in practice? Crickets, right? What do we need to work on? Then, then, then the list goes on. So it's kind of, I feel like, and I'm sure you could attest about this, but for coaches and people working with youth, it's just that consistency of asking the same question. Sometimes it's repackaging it, right? But mm-hmm. like, if you just consistently have a similar message, like, I feel like they eventually buy into it. They will, and it, it'll click with them. And they, whether or not they will acknowledge it, they crave the kind of activities and benefits that these these particular activities can do for them. They crave that. They crave the the positive impact it has on them. There's affirmations for them. They cra- they need that. They desire that. And for that young man, I just picture the fact that hey, he's probably not told this a lot. And so even though there were, you know, just nine or ten statements here, and some of them may have been kind of vague because you know they're eighth graders for Pete's sakes. Yeah. It still was something that he could look at and say, well, you know, there's there's nine people who see something good in me. You know, even if it says one of them says you're a cool kid, you know, I I don't know. Maybe that. What does that mean? That's vague. But to to someone who's struggling, who's not being, who's not having powerful positive things going into them all the time, that that can really, that can really make a difference for them. Now we're talking about you know impactful leadership again, because those folks, every every single one of them who wrote something was being an impactful leader. Absolutely. And one of the things that I've been trying to recognize as, you know, as a leader of, of young leaders is, is recognizing when they're doing something right. I think that's the other thing that a lot of coaches do. The only time they have engagements during practice is when they're making corrections, right? And I know that I want to, I think uh, Stephen Mackey, who I had on the podcast, he's great, he does a lot of character group development curriculum with athletes, is his, his model is model first what you want to see teach when they you know they don't act on it whether it's the skill whether it's the leadership and reward and test right and we really want to reward the the young athletes the young leaders Mm -hmm. who are you know making those positive gains because that's how you know you reinforce okay this behavior belongs in this culture i agree and there's so many little things that we can do and you know you were talking when you were talking just then about when you're meeting with your team and, and they're talking about things that are doing positive, I can see this activity of riding on their back being an early season 
after they've gotten to know each other a little bit activity. And then as they progress and they get more comfortable with each other, then it becomes a more open activity. Um, right. My, my wife led a, a young, uh, young girls group uh, for a number of years. And one of the things that they would do now, they would, this would be at the end of a year of being together before they would go on a big uh, two, uh, week long tour together where they would go out and sing and do different things. But when they were preparing for that, one of the activities that she would do is she would have one of them, you know, get in the circle and one of them would get in the middle and everybody would have to say something positive. on. That's the same concept. You couldn't do that at the beginning of the season. You got to build trust. You got to build all that relationship. But at the end or at the time that they've, you know, gone through some struggles together and they've built a, a, a tighter relationship, then you can take that activity, of that compliment sheet activity to be in a live compliment sheet activity. And then you want to see something powerful. Why do they have to look the person in the eye who's saying, you know, I value you because of this. I value you because of this. This is what I value you the most about. Uh, that takes it to a whole different level then. Yeah. And they're, they're, like you said, you can't do that right at the beginning of the season. And, it really, it takes a, that's like an extra added layer of trust. And I mm -hmm. almost imagine like if I was going to do that activity with my team, I couldn't do it in our typical court where they feel silly and goofy. I'd have to kind of remove them and put them in an environment mm -hmm. where, you know, maybe it's like the back of a room of a restaurant or even a classroom or something that is, you know, a little bit different because I feel like sometimes those environments really set those triggers in, in different ways. But well, they took a, um, they would go, a, they'd have an overnight retreat where they would do a little bit more yeah. in depth rehearsing and practicing for their tour. And during that, they would do different uh, sessions on this. And this was one of them. And uh, one particular year, they were doing it at our home. And so I was sitting in the other room listening to them. And, you know, this is a bunch of high school girls. And they got emotional. And they were crying. And it was getting real. And, and then they started going, oh, I love you, I love you. And one of them yelled out, there's just way too much estrogen in this room for me. I need to go to the bathroom and <laughs> take a break. And yeah. But they trusted each other. And then when we went on tour, you know, you could tell they were a tight group. They were, they really wanted to do this together. They were all friends. And um, even though they came from very diverse backgrounds, very different family situations, um, different schools and stuff, because they had all come together. Uh, audition for this uh, group they they were very very tight as friends no that's beautiful and that's just like the power of of having and doing these exercises mm -hmm. and being vulnerable and connecting with one another i think that's like i'm a big believer in, in the and the culture element of of teams and really wanting to play for each other and as we kind of hit that you know the fourth quarter the last couple of minutes of our podcast i'd love for you to share you know do you have any like, you know, certain stories that stick out with you from, you know, your years of working as, as Generation Ziggler? And can you describe the, the feeling of, of like being proud of the development you've seen so many of, you know, your young leaders go through your program? Well, Justin, when I first started out, my my thought was that I was going to be the person in front of the front of the room doing the speaking and doing the leading and I was going to continue going and speaking at camps and conferences and then being in front of big audiences of youth and, and having them all excited. I, I remember when Twitter first rolled out and I had just done a speaking engagement and I knew that it, it was working really well. It was with uh, 
high school group. Uh, several high schools had come together and brought their student leaders there. And afterwards, some of their, their leaders of student leaders came up and said, Hey, Mr. McLam, you're trending on Twitter. And I was like, what does that mean? You know, what does it mean yeah. to be trending locally on Twitter? I had no idea what they were doing. We're hashtagging you. And I'm like, well, I don't know what that means. But that was really cool. But right. what I've learned and what I have really realized is my calling is it's much better for me to equip someone else. It's much better for me to equip Brandon and Justin and Sarah and Elizabeth and Abby. Give them all these skills. Give them all this content. Give them all the support they need. Give them everything I can so that they can go be the positive impact leader that they want to be in their community and their circles of influence. Uh, and and encourage them and support them in, in their endeavors. And as a result, we have seen untold numbers being affected. There was one young lady who came to us, came through the first class. She was later in a position of leadership over a student organization that had almost a half a million youth in it nationwide. And she during her time, she at one time, at one time spoke to over 25,000 young people live at one time and had that impact. And that video of her doing that is still gaining views weekly uh, on YouTube. So to be able to pour into someone like that and to be able to, and, and to encourage them. Now she had the skills, she had the talent, she might've gotten there on her own without us, but I love the fact that I had a small part in that journey. So that is the stories that I want to tell. It's their stories. It's their stories of being out there and being teachers in the classroom and watching their students become success, of, of becoming professors at colleges now and watch them impact college students in a positive way or, or as ministers or you know whatever their leadership role is right now. Um, that's the stories I want to continue to see. And that's what we're excited about now, uh, being able to also pour into adults as well through through our adult um, youth life coaching program. So for adults to come in who want to be life coaches for youth, I am looking so much to be able to pour into people and see the impact that they're going to have. Yeah, it's beautiful. You're, you're literally living the bridging impact mission by, you know, equipping and just mm -hmm. continuing to bridge, bridge that impact and have you know, those professors, those attorneys, and everyone working and impacting, you know, the, the speaker, right? They're going and impacting others, and it's just continuing to bridge along, and I, I really There's a teacher, there's the a young girl who's starting her first uh, job teaching this fall, and she's not more than 15 minutes away from where I live, is where she's teaching at, maybe a little bit more. And so she's impacting 105 students per semester, so she'll get some new ones students at the end of January. So over 200 students that she will have a direct impact with. And I know because I'm in regular contact with her, she's taken these things that we taught them, this curriculum we trained them on, and she's implementing in her class. In fact, we're, getting, we're learning how it works a little bit better from her. So she's, you know, impacting us as well. But that's 205 students I would probably never in my life see. And yet now based on what we're doing, they're, they're uh, you know, being impacted. So that's what excites me, is that there's going to be untold numbers of youth that are affected positively that I'll never in my life know about. And that's so cool. 
That's so cool. That's what it's all about. I, I love it. And what would your final like words of advice be for the, the, the coaches and leaders of, of youth, you know, who are listening be? Well, I would really encourage them to seek out some kind of extra uh, resources, assets, training, something that they can have in their toolbox so that they not only know the skills and the technical part of what they're doing, but they also can can impact them as leaders, that they can teach them the skills, the life skills that they need in order to thrive in life. Uh, it's wonderful to teach guys how to hit a baseball. It's so much more wonderful to teach them how to live life when they do fail. That's what I love about baseball, you know, because you could, you know, you learn that failure is just a part of what you do. I mean, the best baseball players now, you know, only hit one out of three. If you can hit, if you can connect 33% of the time in the pros, you're going to be a gazillionaire if you can yeah. do it that often. Uh, right. Which that means, means you're failing, failing two, out of two out of three times. Yeah. And yet you'll be one of the highest paid players in the game right now if you can do that. I wonder what Aaron, right. I, I'd have to look it up and see what Aaron Judge is up. Uh, for the Yankees, what his bat average is? Yeah, it's is not. It I don't even know if it's three hundred. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. I mean, so that means so, yeah. that, you know, at a game where he averages getting up four or five times, probably you know, if they're facing a good pitcher, he might be four times, five or six times on a bad night, you know, on a bad pitching night for the other team. That means that you know they're not expecting him to get more than a hit or two a night. Exactly. A night. I know. Yeah, so being able to handle that failure, that's huge. And um, I, I really appreciate you, you know, sharing your time, your wisdom, and the Generation Ziggler wisdom. Where can people find out more and connect with you and, and the Generation Ziggler mission? Well, if, if right now I really recommend for those adults, those who are coaching, those who are teachers, if they want to learn more about what we do, I want to encourage them to go to our youth coaching site. It's generation-youth.com. So generation-youth.com. And if they go to that site, they'll find out information about what we do. We'll have some resources available for them there. Uh, we'll have, you know, they can they can see if they need to learn about programs. There'll also be a, a button there for them to uh, schedule a call with me if they just want to learn more. No commitment involved, just want to learn more. I, I love talking to people and just, just hearing what their story is, where they are in life, or what they want to do, and how we might be able to encourage them and maybe even equip them uh, a little bit better to do it. So generation-youth.com is the best place for them to go right now. Beautiful. Thank you so much for your time today, James. Uh, I love the, the mission that you're on, and you're bridging so much impact. So uh, we look forward to you know staying connected in our, as our missions align. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Justin. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bridging Impact Podcast. We'd love it if you would like, subscribe, leave a comment, and a review on whatever platform you're on. It's the best way to help us grow. We appreciate you for doing that. We'll shout you out on social media. I'd also love if you connected with me on social media. Let me know your thoughts, and this is why I do it. I want to share knowledge and wisdom from experienced leaders to people like yourself and myself so we can have this dialogue and move forward, make an impact on the world. So stay tuned, stay subscribed. Cheers.